Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to the Eat Blog Talk podcast made for you, my amazing fellow food bloggers who are wanting to add value to your blogs and to your lives. In today's episode, I will be talking to Monica Lensink from nourishandfet.com, and we will be discussing overcoming perfectionism in food blogging. Monica is a food blogger at Nourish and Fet, which focuses on easy, accessible recipes for busy people who still value making real food and trying things from scratch, despite the fast pace of today's modern family. A semi-obsessive home cook, she is self-taught and loves nothing more than creating and simplifying recipes that help us get tasty meals on the table. Monica is also a mom of one, stepmom of two, and she maintains a day job in a typical office environment as well. So balance is a key part of every day for her. Hey, Monica, I am very excited to chat with you about perfectionism today. But first, before we dive in, give us a quick fun fact about yourself. Thanks so much, Megan. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Um, oh, fun facts are always so tough, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, mine, I suppose, is that um, I actually had no idea, and I mean, zero idea how to cook even as a young adult. Um, I did not help nearly enough in the kitchen growing up. Sorry, mom. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, I can honestly remember the days like post-college when, um, I mean, I literally had no idea like what you would even do with a raw chicken breast. I mean, that's amazing. And now you're a food blogger. (laughs) Right. So actually the reason I learned um was for my now stepkids I was um dating their dad quite infatuated and um I saw the opportunity to make the occasional dinner as this chance to provide something you know low-key of value and um there were definitely some humorous moments along the way like I just had no sense of scale or how much four people oh, funny but <laughs> I would cart over like bags of salad. But um, anyway, I guess it worked out since I obviously now love to cook and I'm still happily cooking for them. That's so cool. What a great story. So you've come a long way. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I mean, considering I started from zero. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool. Thank you for sharing that. Now let's get on to our main topic today, which is overcoming perfectionism specifically in food blogging. So this topic is one that I have put a lot of thought into recently because while I have put many food blogging posts out into the world and many photos and a lot of my writing, I've only recently began putting myself out in a whole new way, which is by launching this podcast. And it has been so scary, like scarier than I ever thought it would be diving into it. It's really new and vulnerable. And I have just felt that pull to come across as being as perfect as I can possibly be. 
but I've also felt the poll to be as genuine and real as possible. So it's really hard to find that balance. I went through the same sort of evolution when I first started my blog. And I think I finally just came to a point there where I found a great balance. But this new venture is definitely stirring up those perfectionistic temptations again. So I know this topic has been strong on your heart too, Monica, because we kind of communicated about that over email. So I'm excited to hear about your journey. Would you mind sharing how perfectionism became a part of your life and how it has evolved for you over time? Absolutely. And um, and gosh, I totally understand um, hearing you say that. And, um, you know, for what it's worth, having listened to a lot of the episodes, I think the podcast is, is wonderful. It's perfect. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but I understand that feeling so well. And, um, you know, I just, uh, we've all been there, you know? Yeah. So, and of course, you know, perfectionism isn't bad per se, um, unless it keeps you from doing something else. So I'm glad you're doing the podcast, um, despite those fears, you know? Oh, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. (laughs) So for me, um, I really am a lifelong perfectionist, kind of born and bred. I, learned um, as a small child that perfection equaled the praise and the validation that I craved. And I pretty quickly internalized all of the messages, the subtle messages and the not so subtle ones that our society can send, especially to young women, that perfection was the standard um, to which I would hold myself um, and be held. And of course, I think that's something we see all the time today, particularly in the hyper polished world of social media and um, modern advertising. So um, those messages are easier than ever to internalize. And I think we see that in a lot of the kind of stress and negative self-talk that um, many of us grapple with today. For sure. The role that social media plays in our lives has such an interesting impact on perfectionism, I think, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, um, it is a major challenge. And especially, I think, in the blogging world where we can't just push it out have to deal with it. Absolutely. It's easy to put our best selves out into the world and hide the rest. I think All of us have been on both sides of this. We've at least all tried it out. (laughs) Posting our homes when they're spotless and, you know, posting our kids when their hair is combed and they don't have food all over their faces. That one minute of the day. Yes, yes. And we've also been on the other side watching others post their own perfect photos, especially on social media. I think we all struggle with the question, how real should I be? And also, will people like me if I'm totally myself? And that's so hard. I think that there are platforms that allow for us to be more ourselves. Like I have talked to a few different people recently for this podcast who have talked about um, Instagram stories and how amazing that has been to pull people out of that perfectionistic mode because it allows for us to be real. And I personally have been very grateful for that platform because I think it is refreshing seeing other people be real and let their hair down and let their hair be messy. And then it's also refreshing for me to know that I don't have to be super perfect. So Instagram stories 
stories for me has been a great way to help pull out of it, at least for my blog. But then again, like I said, like this adventure is so different. I'm not just typing and posting photos, but I'm putting my voice into the world. And I'm just like, every time I publish an episode, I'm like, oh my gosh, what are people going to think? But like, who cares what people think? Helping food bloggers is something that I feel is so important and it's so valuable. So on one hand, it's like, who cares what people think? And on the other hand, I worry. So I'm like trying to balance that. But it's just like that high standard thing, right? Like holding yourself to high standards because you think that other people are when they're actually probably not. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, um, it became a sort of a feedback loop. Like I held myself to these high standards and I would joke even out loud that I knew this tendency, this perfectionism was probably unhealthy, but I'd held to it so far and things had worked out. So why change now? Right. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, of course that was not doing me any favors. You know, I was, um, stressed out, made some poor choices and, uh, you know, but still perfectionism just kept, uh, can keep creeping in, you know, old habits die hard. And just as you said, in respect to the podcast, it, it, you know, for someone who really has um, a perfectionist tendency, it can, you can sort of tackle it or work through it in one venue and then still have it creep in, um, you know, when you go on another venture, like your blog and now the podcast. So it's a tendency that I think we really just have to learn to manage. If you are a perfectionist at heart, then it's kind of always with you. Right. I like that point because you can learn to tackle it maybe in one environment and then think you've got it under control. And then you move to another environment and you're like, wow, you're still there. What are you doing here? (laughs) It's been very strange for me to kind of go through all of this again. And I think it's so ironic how perfectionists so badly want to be perfect and then they end up being the ones who crash the hardest. And that just shows that when we aim for something that isn't possible because perfectionism is not possible, right? We will almost be put in our place. It is absolutely impossible to attempt perfectionism. And on the other hand, it is so easy to be ourselves once we get to that point where we no longer care about appearing perfect, but getting there is so hard. So, Monica, what helped you? Okay, you mentioned going through your life, just being a lifelong perfectionist and struggling with that. What helped you to finally shift your perspective? Um, To be really candid, I think it began to shift when um, in pretty quick succession, um, I had my son, I gave birth to my son, he's now four, and um, we had him and we moved overseas right away. Two massive changes within two months of each. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And um, <clears throat> I also started graduate school right at the same time. So I really wouldn't recommend that to anyone. It was sort of a, a trifecta. Um, but it definitely did jolt me just having, um, you know, so much change and, and having to sort of reinvent our whole existence. And for starters, it forced me to really come to terms with a more 
sort of, I think of it as a more realistic reality that, um, you know, some nights I really was just happy to get literally anything on the table for dinner. And that was okay. You know, I was genuinely proud and happy of that. And the world kept turning. Um, and so I think that was kind of the start of helping me adjust to, you know, think, okay, you know, I can still be happy with something that maybe isn't my picture perfect ideal. I think it's incredible that you were able to see what shifted your perspective on perfectionism. I don't think everyone would be able to step back and pinpoint it like you did. So I think that's amazing. And also, I wanted to comment on this, how a big change in life can definitely change our perspective, not just on perfectionism, but on so many things. And I feel like sometimes we're all given those harsh reminders that we are not perfect. (laughs) You know, like your two massive changes that you talked about is almost like, hello, Monica, like shaking you, listen up, you are not perfect. This is life. And usually, unfortunately, that involves something that is jolting and that makes us just vulnerable. And I think there's something so life-changing and experiencing these things. And like I said, like vulnerability just makes us raw and willing to see things in a new way and willing to change. Absolutely. I mean, um, and I had kind of gone into that period of my life thinking, like, I was very glib, almost like, this will be fine. I've got this. You know, of course, I look back now, and it seems comical. But I thought I knew what kind of mom I would be. I thought I knew what kind of baby I would have. I thought, you know, we were moving, um, we were moving from the U.S. Um, to Belgium, so not um, you know a very different culture, but we didn't want for much there. So uh, you know, I, I just had a lot of sort of glib assumptions, and actually, it was really difficult. So it did; it forced me to adjust, and unfortunately, uh, I think in the long run, for the better by a long stretch. For sure. When you look back over experiences like that, I think it's easy to see how they were good when in the time they were not so good. I definitely didn't think it was so good. There were yeah. many tears. <laughs> I'm sure that's that's a big those are big things to deal with. So yeah, I get it. My husband and I have been through some we just we've had some issues with our son like when he was born when we found out we were pregnant, we were like I want a girl and we're going to do this and you kind of have these expectations for how your life is going to go. And then abruptly, we found out that he had like major heart issues and major other issues. And we didn't even know if he was going to live past birth. So it was like taking these idealistic expectations for life. And then suddenly they're just gone. And you're, you're left like, oh my gosh, I thought it was going to be a certain way. And then you have to readjust. And looking back, it was definitely a good thing. And I am grateful for it because it changed us both. It changed us individually and as a couple and a family. And I can't imagine our life without our sons. So, oh my gosh, I'm going to (laughs) cry. Oh my gosh, Megan. No, I mean, that's so much. And especially as soon as you add in, you know, your family and the emotion associated with that, that requires so much strength to get through that. And then, um, 
you know, and then to come out on the other side, um, even, you know, I give you so much credit for that. Oh, well, thank you. It's, I mean, it wasn't easy. Like you said, with your situation, it's not easy. But I think when you're in it, um, you just have to know that this is part of the process and whatever perfection you had in your mind for your life when you're in garbage you have to know that there's a reason for it and that's how we got through it and that's how I get through everything now I'm like okay I remember that time with our son when we went through that and I remember how it was not fun but looking back we're somehow grateful I don't know how that happens but um, getting back to blogging I'm curious so your journey overseas and all of those changes and it was tough how then did that kind of evolve into your blogging? Right. It's kind of ironic because you wouldn't think that that would be a time when I would be wanting to add anything to my plate. Uh, but, um, but ironically, it was around that time, once we got sort of settled, basically settled in our new home, it was around that time that I began to blog. And the site started out very different than it is today, but it was fundamentally a creative outlet and um, and something that I used to document our lives, document um, the things we were enjoying and the food we were making and eating. Um, but it was also definitely through that journey that I sort of continued this process of learning how and when to check my perfectionism because I enjoyed blogging and I wanted to move forward and grow with it. So I began blogging with some pretty naive assumptions. Um, it seems absurd now looking back, but I think I... To the extent I thought anything, I thought that people would just find me. Yes. <laughs> um, I knew nothing about Pinterest or um, how one might use social media in a professional way. Um, and I certainly had never heard of SEO and um you know, thought about Google uh, in the way that I do now. So I did just start, you know, putting out content. As I said, it was a creative outlet, but um, I pretty quickly realized how much I would need to level up to make my site match my vision and provide something um, that I felt was was of value to others. Um, but I also realized that the only way I was going to get there was through practice and incremental steps. So don't get me wrong, I was still a total perfectionist. I would pour over my site, spend hours sometimes trying to tweak these um, tiny things. Um, but it became really clear that the perfect was the enemy of the good and insisting on and waiting for perfection um, would 100% hold me back um, from putting out content and improving along the way. That is such a good line that you just said. Perfection is Say it again. I need to repeat that. <laughs> Perfection was the enemy of the good at that point, And that insisting on and waiting on perfection before I published content would 100% hold me back. Perfection is the enemy of good, people. It is so true. Because I can relate to that. You mentioned pouring over individual posts and like, oh my gosh, is this going to be good enough? I think we all do, especially in the beginning, because we worry so much. We think that we're going to be judged 
the only thing that's going to do is hold you back. And this kind of goes into stepping into fears and letting things go. So there are like other subtopics we could definitely cover. But at some point, you just have to be okay with good and not keep striving for that that thing that you will never be able to reach. Yes, yes, yes. Or that you can't reach right now. I mean, um, you know, recognizing too, as we were saying earlier, even in life and the same thing in blogging that everything is a season. And once you become comfortable with that, it allows you to give yourself a little more grace um, to say that, you know, in this season, I can manage, you know, maybe it's the volume of content that you post in this season of my life with what I have going on, I can manage one post a week, and I'm going to make it Um, you know, the best post that I can at this time, but I recognize that I'd like to do more in another circumstance. I can and I will do more in a different season. And that's okay. Waiting on perfectionism will 100% hold us back. Heed Monica's wise words, food bloggers. It is guaranteed that you will not move forward if you strive for perfectionism. And then lately, I've been thinking of like, um, kind of a scale, like what is good, what is good enough, and then like what's great, and then stopping there because there's nothing more than that. And the beauty of food blogging is that you can go back and change things. So get something out that is good enough, that is quality, that you're really confident in and you're proud of. And then if you need to, go back and change it, right? I mean, it's not like a podcast where your words are like... <laughs> set in stone forever. (laughs) No pressure there. No pressure. (laughs) And that is the beauty in many ways of blogging. And one of the reasons why I've encouraged friends who wanted to start blogs and they say, you know, well, how much content do I need to have, you know, stored up before I start or, um, how can I get XYZ feature arranged before I go live? And my advice to them now is, you know, to just start because, and the reality is that very few people are going to find you anyway. So better to just get it up, get it out there and improve as you go. Absolutely. And this kind of is along those lines, but dealing with the people who leave negative comments on social media and on blogs. I think that is one of the huge reasons why, at least me in the beginning, why I was hesitant to write about certain things or I was really careful because there are always going to be those people who have to point out the bad things. I think we've all experienced that at one time or another. But I think the important thing there is to remember that those people don't want perfectionism from us. They are probably just people who are dealing with a whole other set of issues. And, you know, like that's their deal. Let them deal with that. It's, it has nothing to do with you, I promise. But most people, the people who read our words and they come to drool over our photos, those are the ones who care about our recipes and our content and us. And they don't want perfection from us. They want to see the real sides of us because they are real and they want to know that we are real too. So I think it's really important to remember that, that there is going to be negativity and to get used to ignoring it because it's that will never go away. Absolutely. And learning to kind of filter that, you know, to take... Um, you know, take what's helpful, take if anything, um, obviously, if there's just a, uh, 
you know, a troll or somebody who's, um, you know, personally harmful or, or on the attack that, you re- you know, there's really no place for that, um, you know, and, and to just move forward, you know, push that aside. If there's a, a gem of something that you want to file away, it's like, hey, yeah, I do want to work on that. But, um, you know, that really it's 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 about it's about what you have to offer, not about how far you have to go. I love because that. Because you, you have something to offer now. And, um, yeah, and you, and, and to not share that, um, is, is kind of taking something away from others. I absolutely love that. So specifically for food blogging, do you have advice about how to avoid the pull to be perfect in everything we put out into the world? You mentioned just like getting to that point where you just do it. Is there anything more that you have to add to that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, yeah, because it's easy to just say, okay, so move past it. But, um, you know, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> that look like? Um, I think one of the things, um, there's, uh, I would say four things, um, that have really helped me. Um, one of them is to establish some criteria around what good enough looks like so that it doesn't feel like you are necessarily compromising or falling short, but rather that you are meeting your criteria and moving forward. Um, you know, and for me in a food blogging context, that has been that, um, I want the recipe to be on point. I want to feel very confident that that recipe is well-written, um, can be replicated in somebody else's kitchen and will deliver a good result. And, um, and that's my, that's my baseline. And when I have that, um, then I have kind of given myself permission to feel confident in that and that everything around that is great and nice to have, but, um, but it's the recipe that is the core and sort of establishing that criteria has been really helpful for me. I love that. I've never thought about it like that. Like having a baseline, like, okay, is the recipe quality? Check. Do the photos look good? Check. And then if you have like your certain criteria that are met, then it should be ready to go out into the world. So set it free, right? Exactly. If it's not quality, absolutely don't put it out there. If you're not confident in your recipe, then wait until it's ready to go. Right. But I absolutely love that mindset. Yeah. And it's really helpful because, you know, you don't want to um, set aside perfectionism. And, and I think most of us who grapple with this are not likely to sort of fall so far the other direction that we're, you know, careless, but, um, you know, but yeah, but sort of telling yourself, okay, these are the priorities. And, um, and this is the level at which I, I can accept and feel pride in my work, I think is important. Um, and knowing that you can improve the other stuff along the way, just like you said, the photographs, be happy with them when they reach the level that you, um, that you know, you, you can do today. And if you, you know, get to a point if you kind of level up in a month or six months or a year, and you know that you could do that same set of photographs in a way that you feel is better, you can do that. You can do that. You can replace them. You that That is always available to you. I kind of like the year mark. I think that's a good point for food bloggers because 
anything sooner than that. I feel like it's still a little bit too fresh. But when I look back on something from one year ago at any given point, I feel like I can make small improvements. But anything less than that, it's more like, oh, I don't know. Should I? Should I not? But I think one year gives me personally clarity. Like, yes, that was good or no, that needs help. (laughs) We should like review our blog posts yearly. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that seems like a lot of work. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) For me, I've kind of like gone in um, tranches. Like I I struggled for a long time and photography is probably the aspect that I still um, find the the most difficult in this respect. Um, But um, you know, I'll go through batches. Like lately, I feel like I've gotten a little bit more of um, my style um, where I want it to be. And so now I'm almost excited to go back and rephotograph some old posts because I feel more confidence in how I might style that or how I might do that. And again, yeah, a year from now, I might you know, feel that I can level up again. But looking back, it's almost like telling yourself from the past, like, it's okay for you past Monica to have posted that at that point. Now I'm better with my photos. But when I was there, it was totally fine. It is okay to be where you're at as long as the quality is is okay for you at that point. In the future, you are going to improve all of your skills and you'll look back and be like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? But in the moment you're at, it has to be okay right now. You can't think of like, what am I going to think of this in the future? You just have to like be in the present with it. Right, exactly. And think of it as something that you are giving to somebody else because, um, you know, I have recipes on my site that I look back at. Maybe I took the pictures um, a year or two years ago even. And, um, you know, if I had waited until today to take those, A, I wouldn't be able to take all of those photos today. You know, I've gotten really moving um, comments and, yeah. and, and responses from people who made those recipes in the interim and um, used them to feed their families or at a party and loved them, you know, and they wouldn't have had the opportunity to do that if I had waited until it was, in my view, perfect. So that's really motivating as well. I like that you're giving people gifts or you're, you're providing value by putting the recipe out for others to use. I'm going to listen to this and write all this down because I'm loving everything you're saying. Um, One thing I was going to add is that productivity for me is a huge thing. It's something that I... It's one of my areas of expertise. I'm always finding new ways to be productive. You cannot be productive when you're trying to be perfect. And that's one thing that I've learned for sure. It's just like those two will never go hand in hand. So I think it's really important to remember that too, that if you do want to be productive, and I think most food bloggers do because there's so much to do, you can't. You have to drop the perfectionism. You have to figure out a way to make it go away. Yes, absolutely. And I think that really relates to um, like the second thing that I have um, sort of used in this or the second reminder to myself, which is to really cultivate what is known as a growth mindset. Um, And, you know, people might be familiar with this. There is a a book that came out several years ago by Carol Dweck. um, And it contrasts like a fixed mindset where you really see your skills and um, abilities as 
something fixed, a, a set level that you were kind of born with. And um, if you were born a good runner, then you'll always be a good runner and you can't necessarily make yourself into that um, versus a growth mindset where you think like, I, I could learn to do anything or I could at least learn to improve at it, if not to be um, a world champion, but to get better. And inculcating that that ladder, that growth mindset in yourself is now that's a gift to yourself because now you can approach everything with a sense of curiosity and confidence that you could invest in yourself to get better. Wow, that was great. I think uh, having a growth mindset is so huge in every aspect of your life. Um, they actually teach that in school now. My son, who was in third grade last year, came home and was talking to me about growth mindset. And I was like, oh, what? That's wonderful. <laughs> but I love it. I know. I love it because when I was a kid, we definitely were not taught that. In fact, we were probably unintentionally taught the opposite. Right. So I love that they're teaching that to young brains. And it is so true that even if you have labeled yourself as a perfectionist, you have the ability to grow beyond that. And you have to know that. I have not read that book that you mentioned, but I've heard about it. And I'm going to add it to my list because that whole concept just intrigues me. Yeah, yeah. And there are several kind of spin-offs from it. It's become, um, you know, a little bit of a cottage industry in itself. But I think the basic mindset is really helpful. And it helps you sort of put at bay this notion that you have one shot, you know, for sure. Another thing that has helped me is regular posting. So having a regular posting schedule that I do not stray from for getting new content up is so helpful because I know it has to go up. And if it's not perfect, which it never is, again, it's still going up. I mean, if it sucks, if it's a horrible recipe, then I obviously would not put it up. But otherwise, it goes up. So I think that just setting that in your mind, like if it's on your schedule, you need to post it really helps because if you do that over and over week after week, it's just like becomes more of an an ingrained thing. And then slowly, you can inch past that perfectionism, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, because you you kind of have to have to practice and go through, um, you know, a certain volume of, of work to improve. And, um, and I think, you know, and that really ties into like, there's this quote that I love. And it's actually one of the other main things that has helped me um, work through this. And it's a quote, many listeners may have heard it. It's from Ira Glass. And um, it's really long. So I won't share the whole thing. But it's basically about, you know, um, all of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste, but there is this gap. Um, and now I'm paraphrasing, but he's saying that there's this gap at first between what has inspired you um, in your work and what you are currently able to produce. And so I think, you know, for food bloggers, most of us were probably inspired by maybe it was cookbooks or magazines or, um, you know, uh, other established food sites. And, um, you know, that's to some level what inspired us to go into this, but um, that's hard to do. And so at first, our own work won't live up to that, um, to that which we've seen from others. But if you never get past that phase where your own work kind of doesn't live up to your vision, then you, you have to get past that phase if you want to carry on because you can only get there through practice. So 
Um, anyway, so he talks about, you know, sort of closing the gap and realizing that that's hard with creative work and that you have to just keep at it and tell yourself, okay, I'm going to publish twice a week. Um, I'm going to, you know, maybe, maybe you don't feel like you have content that you're comfortable with twice a week. So you tell yourself, I'm going to take a picture of my dinner every night, if that's an option for you, um, until you get more comfortable and you will see improvement with that kind of practice. Um, so it's kind of like whatever the hardest part is for you, like meeting that dead on and realizing that it's okay if it's not perfect and that you actually have to be comfortable with the imperfection if you want to push through to the point where your work matches what inspires you. Oh my gosh, Monica, that was amazing. So first of all, I loved that. I've read that quote before. I loved your paraphrasing of it. You said that so perfectly. And then also, what came to mind was just I love the analogy of like you have to put in the reps I like tying that to like weightlifting or working out because it's such a good analogy because you cannot get big muscles if you don't do the bicep curls right you have to do those over and over and over in order to get your muscles. So the same thing applies to looking at a food blog that might be light years ahead of where you're at. You can't go from being inspired by a magazine to being that big food blogger who takes amazing photos overnight. You have got to put in the reps. You have to come to a point where you're just okay with where you're at too. This is my journey. This day is my day. I'm supposed to be here not knowing as much as I know about writing or whatever it is. And I think once we come to terms with that, that's when we really start to grow and thrive because we're not seeking something else that we're not. We have to be okay with who we are in this moment and where we're at. And I think there is massive power in that. There is. There absolutely is. And, you know, and recognizing that you can still kind of take that for what it's for what it's worth, you can still take um, what you're striving for. It's not that that doesn't um, have value. It's just that you're recognizing that you've got to work to get there and that it's okay to not be there yet. Absolutely. It is okay because it takes people a long time to reach big goals like that. Right. One of my favorite little notepads um, is... I think it's from Rifle Paper Company and it's the Vincent Van Gogh quote of uh, great things are achieved by a series of small things brought together. And, um, you know, that relates to a lot of things, perfectionism, but also just productivity and how you approach things. But um, anyway, just this idea that like little steps together get you to the big goals and, um, and that it's okay to share even before you get there, especially because in reality, for most of us, I think, especially in blogging, our vision of what's perfect keeps changing. Um, you know, wh what is best for user experience today might be different tomorrow. Um, and what we are, you, you know, it, it, a lot of these things that we're grappling with in terms of SEO and best practices on social media are always changing. So, um, you know, give yourself a little grace that um, you're just doing the best you can. Yes, true. Things around us are 
constantly changing and we are constantly changing too. What I wanted a year ago in the realm of food blogging isn't necessarily what I want now. So we have to remember that we aren't going to always want exactly what we want in this moment. And something I try to do is like, I don't know, I just, I'm like a visual person. So I always envision these like scenes in my mind. If I am striving for a big goal, let's say I can see something big in the distance and I'm on this path, I try to remember not to focus on that big thing in the distance, but to occasionally look side to side because that's where I'm at right now. So I think we need to remember that as food bloggers, look at what's around us. Look what you have. Look at your blog. It's amazing. Your photography is evolving every day. Your writing is getting better every day. You're meeting new people. Look sideways once in a while to remember that that is going to get you to that big goal in front of you. That is such great advice and such a great thing to remember, um, especially on a journey like this one. Yeah, because it's crazy. (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. (laughs) Oh, it is crazy. Earlier, you pointed out or you mentioned something about the cycle of perfectionism being like a habit. Just like any other bad habit, I think it's easy to want to go back to it when I got over my perfectionism with blogging and then kind of like crept back in with podcasting. What are some ways that we can keep it away when it does try to creep back in? Yeah, because the thing is, perfectionism for many of us is a way to feel safe. You know, that if you wait until something is quote unquote perfect to share it with the world, you might feel safe, safe from that Um criticism, be it real or imagined, um, you know, safe from just, you know, uh, yeah, basically safe from that criticism or that feeling that you weren't enough. Um, and so, yeah, so we have to keep that at bay. Like you said, I think, I think one of the biggest things is reminding yourself of the things that you value more than being or seeming perfect to kind of push you out of that and um, perhaps out of that safety comfort zone that perfection affords. Um, So in a blogging context, um, what you value more than being perfect might be growth. It might be, you know, recognizing what we talked about that you need to practice, you need to put out content in order to grow and improve. And so maybe that means that you value Um, you value growth and you value improvement more than you value the sort of cocoon of perfection. Um, And so remind yourself of that, write that down. If you have to write it on a sticky note, write it on a board above your desk that, you know, I, I want to grow, even if that means being uncomfortable, even if that means putting out something that um, I'm still nitpicking, you know, in the back of my mind, maybe you value back to the idea that you're sharing something with the world. It might be also that you value, you value sharing that more than you value the um, perception of being perfect, that it's more important to you to, to share that recipe because it means something to you. You think your readers will benefit from it. And that, It's not that you don't value quality. It's not that you don't want it to be as good as you possibly can get it. Um, But rather than agonizing over it, you choose to value sharing it above seeming perfect. 
That is like the best bit of advice I've ever heard. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I love what you just said. And I love how you, you tied that to feeling safe. I've never thought of it like that before. When you're feeling the pull for perfectionism, it's actually just a pull to feel safety. It's like you're afraid, right? Yeah. 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 You're afraid of um, being judged. And a lot of times those fears have more to do with ourselves, like you said, than they do with anybody else. Um, but, you know, but that doesn't mean it's not real. So um, and I think it's hard to just turn that off. What's easier is to remind yourself that there's something else out there. Um, I think the same is really true with entertaining or having just having like gatherings, having people over for a lot of people. Um, like we're afraid to have people over. We're afraid to host, um, you know, our home isn't clean enough or um, well decorated enough or, um, you know, the food won't be, you know, all hot at the same time, whatever it is, you know, the, the dishes don't match. Um, you know, there's so many reasons, right? But you value, um, but if you choose to tell yourself and call out that like, hey, I value gathering, I value, um, I value what this creates as far as time with friends and family more than I value being perceived as perfect, then that, that can push you through, I think, more powerfully than just saying like, well, it's good enough. I absolutely love that. And I love the idea too. uh, just talked about the analogy of having people over and hosting. That's a great analogy because we all do that. We're all like, oh my gosh, are my kids going to behave tonight? We all go through that checklist. And then when everyone leaves, we're like, oh no, was it good enough? But really, at the end of the day, I personally am always happy, even if my kids were screaming or my house was a mess, because I enjoy showing the real side of me to people, because I always appreciate that about people. I don't like going to perfect houses because it makes me feel like crap. Exactly. exactly. That's I like going to people's houses that are messy a little bit and... I like seeing real life situations. So I know that that's what people want for me to at least true friends, right? I mean, I'm sure there are people who expect that perfectionistic side, but people who truly want to be my friend, they are going to want to see the real me. So I try to keep that in mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and honestly, a perfect, you know, person in our home or, or dinner or something is, is really actually not that comfortable. <laughs> I know. Good point. It is, you're so right. <laughs> you know, like, and so you can ask yourself and, and, you know, and I think, of course, it it varies by person, you know, we all have different interpretations of what this might mean. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, I think, you know, most of us, especially if we're kind of out there with this goal of, of sharing recipes, inspiring people to cook, um, educating people about how they can, how they can cook, how they can put good food on the table. For most of us, that comes from a place of, you know, seeing the value that, um, that a shared meal can have in, in, in people's lives and relationships. So, you know, I, I think whatever it takes to kind of remind yourself of the value of that and that you, and that, and that that is uh, honestly in many ways more important than, um, than having sort of 
every I dotted and T crossed. Absolutely. And that applies to life, but also food blogging. I loved what you said earlier about just having something in mind that is more important to you than the discomfort, right? So whether that's like I'm providing value to people, I am um, providing good information, whatever it is, I love your suggestion to keep that kind of as your focal point and just to keep remembering it and to push through those hard times and the uncomfortable times because that's really not what's the most important thing to you. I feel like I could probably talk to you forever. I just think this is such an important topic because I never want people to feel like they need to be perfect around me. I appreciate flaws. The friends that are the closest to me are the ones who are just real. They're not negative. They're just like real people and they're okay being real people. So I think it's a really important topic in general, but especially in food blogging where we all put ourselves out there. We're all out there every single day. So I love that you covered this with me today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, I agree. I feel like we could talk about this indefinitely, you know, because there's so many layers to it and it does connect to so many other topics. But absolutely. I mean, and, you know, in perfectionism, it's not all bad. I mean, it it can be helpful. It is helpful when it drives you to do your best. But um, insisting on it kind of at all times and above all else will hold you back, especially in blogging that's ever changing and demanding. So, um, you know, I think we just have to like, let it, let it be the good, let it be a source of motivation and to push you to do your best, but don't punish yourself. Like don't make it some yardstick that you have to abide by. I could not have said that any better. That was a great way to end this conversation. So I mentioned, I've mentioned kind of throughout how launching this podcast has tested my tendencies toward perfectionism. And I've struggled with how much to edit out when I'm editing? Do I make the interviews sound seamless? Do I leave in my misspoken words because they happen all the time? And interviewing people is not something I have ever done before this. So this is like a whole new world for me. I mean, I literally just jumped in and was like, hey, I'm going to like, I've never done this before. So it was really scary. I would never guessed that. I think. Oh, goodness. Well, (laughs) thank you for saying that. But that tells me, and that has told me all along, that it is something that I probably should be doing. When something is scary, it's usually a sign that you should jump into it. And I believe that this is something that is very hard to do because I, my whole life, have been fearful of many things. But I've learned to somehow move past that and do things anyway. And I just feel so strongly that it's something that we should all be pushing ourselves to do all the time. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing and smiling because you just reminded me of something I haven't thought about in a long time. Oh, I brought up some memories. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. I, but I remember it now, clear as day. Um, the day that my, um, when we moved to Belgium, it was for my husband's job. And when he, um, found out that he had been offered that position, we were talking about it and he kind of said, you know, we talked through the pros and cons and, you know, kind of got to a wrap up point. He said, well, what do you think? And I paused and then I said, you know, I'm kind of scared to go which I think means we probably should. (laughs) Oh, wow. 
and we did and we're incredibly glad that we that we did for many reasons but i just hadn't thought of that for a long time but now it's one of those conversations that comes back to you clear as day yeah it sparked that but it's funny how throughout our lives we realize that we are really afraid of something but then simultaneously we realize that we need to do it even despite the fears mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's like your inner voice telling you like, yes, you are afraid, but who cares? You need to do it anyway. (laughs) Exactly. What's the quote? I don't remember now where it's from, but it's like, you know, sometimes the fear won't go away. So you just have to do it afraid. I love it. Oh, I love that one. So the first 10 or so interviews that I edited, I edited like crazy. You can probably listen and hear like I didn't even include breaths. I would edit out my breaths. So it would just be like constant stream. And now going back, I'm like, what was I thinking? (laughs) It was just insane. So recently I had an interview where absolutely everything went wrong. We had technical issues. My kids were knocking on the door. A neighbor kid came by and started ringing the doorbell. My dog was barking. I mean, it was like a fiasco. It was crazy. (laughs) So when the interview was done, I asked the awesome blogger that I was talking to, what do you think we should do? Because that was a nightmare. And she was like, you know, I think you should publish that. So I was like, what? (laughs) What? Should I? So we kind of went back and forth and I was like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe we should, maybe I should publish it just as it happened. So I've been kind of pondering that. And then I put the feeler out for somebody who would be willing to talk on this topic with me, perfectionism, because I wanted to publish the, a talk about perfectionism before posting my very real episode. So I have decided to publish real life in the next episode after this one. Yeah. And it's very vulnerable, obviously, like it is real life. But I want to do it just once kind of as a learning tool for myself in this whole venture. And also just as a way to show others that you don't need to be perfect, that I hope you appreciate my real life once in a while, and I appreciate yours. Please have grace when you listen to the next episode. It's going to be a little rough. We'll see. Well, I am even more excited to listen to uh, that one now, and I'm sure it's going to be great. And I do think people like to see that, you know. Um, I don't know if you follow, um, this is a totally random shout out. This person doesn't know that I exist, but um, Fit Foodie Finds on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she has been posting lately um, all kinds of just like real photos and she's all about body positivity and um, just, you know, loving yourself as you are and really breaking some of that mold on Instagram in particular. Um, and you know what? People are loving it. Um, mm, to include I love me, it. To include me. And, uh, you know, I think it just goes to show that people, like you said, people want real. And even if it's scary to put it out, um, it's it's for the good. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love that she's doing that. I have not checked out her stuff recently, so I'll have to go do that. Well, yeah, it's awesome. It's I mean, her content's always on point um, in every way, but it's a really it's a really heartening kind of series. Monica, this has been therapeutic for me. I feel like I just came out of a therapy session or something. (laughs) (laughs) In a good way. I so appreciate you taking the time. And I know this went over time today, but 
Thank you so much. I loved our chat. This is one of my favorites so far. And I really appreciate you being willing to be vulnerable and just open up like this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. And, um, you know, you can edit this one. <laughs> oh, I will a little but Next one is all real. <laughs> But um, I'm just so grateful for having the time to talk about this. Like you said, it's an issue on my heart as well. And I know a lot of us grapple with uh, with perfectionism. So, uh, so thanks for having me on. Yes. And I know that it's going to help uh, food bloggers just find the value in being real. So thank you so much again. And Monica has a list of favorite resources relating to this topic. And those can be found on her show notes page at eatblogtalk.com forward slash Monica. Monica, tell my listeners the best place to find you online. Absolutely. So um, the best place is my website, which is um, Nourish and Fet, um, all spelled out. So Nourish and F-E-T-E dot com. Um, and uh, then I'm also Nourish and Fet on all the major social media. And uh, so I love to interact with anybody. So just reach on out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening today, food bloggers. And I will see you next time in the very real episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Megan, this was such a joy. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.